Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. One morning this week, when I woke up, I heard these words, and they were the words of the Lord in my heart, the ear of my heart. And the Lord said to me, it's not about you, it's all about me. And I took that word to heart. I began to examine my attitude, my priorities. I've been doing a lot of thinking about just really all I want in life is to bring honor to the Lord Jesus. That's all I want to do. I don't want publicity. I don't want any notoriety. I don't care about making a lot of money. I just want to bring glory to the Lord. The Bible says that all men would see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And the Bible says that one of these days that the whole earth will be full of glory of the Lord. And it's going to happen when this earth, the people of this earth get a revelation of who Jesus is. And maybe it won't come until that day when the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this message, it's very simple. I believe it will be very short. I hope it will be. Maybe this is for somebody today who your priorities have been a little out of whack. And you've become a little bit too self-focused, a little bit too inward. Maybe you haven't had enough attention. Maybe somebody's hurt your feelings. Just raise your hand if anybody's ever hurt your feelings. We have 98% honesty here today. All it takes is a few days, Job said. <laughs> and sometimes when we get our feelings hurt, or if somebody disappoints us, somebody lets us down, sometimes we feel like God's let us down. I felt that way before, and I know you have too. It's just that I, I couldn't see the big picture. And so my, my goal of this message is to just keep the main thing the main thing. And that's to get our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want every one of us before we leave this house today to take another look at Jesus. You said it right, Brother Spell, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. We're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's lay aside the sin and the weight that thus so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. In these few verses, I want you to get a glimpse of his glory and his majesty. 
and how mighty and how awesome and how powerful he is. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that world which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Amen. The Life Church is a church that loves his name. We worship his name. Yes. We adore his person. We understand that Jesus is the one true and living God. Amen. The God of the Old Testament it manifested in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I want somebody to get your eyes back on Jesus today. Get your eyes off of the people beside you, in front of you, behind you. Amen. Can we, with an upward look, can we lift up to the Lord right now? And can we get a glimpse of his majesty and his greatness? Would you lift your voice to the Lord? Hallelujah, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory and his inheritance in the saints. For he's been exalted above all principality and power and mind and dominion and every name that is named, not only this world, but also in the world that is to come and he hath put all things under his feet. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We adore you, Lord. Forgive us. Lord God, if we have got our eyes off of you, Lord, we focus our attention on you today. This service is for you. It's all about you, Jesus. We bless your mighty name. Bless the name of the Lord. I simply want to entitle this message, It's All About Him. And shake somebody's hand and say, It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Until Nicholas Copernicus came along in 1543, it was largely believed that the earth was the center stage of the universe. Can't you see fathers placing their arms around their children, pointing to the sky and saying, look up there, kids. That's right. All of that universe out there revolves around us. Yes, sir, folks, the earth is the hub of the planetary wheel, the focus of the heavenly bodies, the white house of the cosmos. Stick a pin in the center of the stellar map, and you've found the earth. Let the other planets wander through the skies, not us, not Mother Earth. We stand still. We stay put. We're as predictable as the morning light. We're always right here. No rotating, no orbiting, while other fickle planets revolve 180 degrees from one day to the next. We stand solid like the rock of Gibraltar, 
Let's hear it for the earth, the anchor of the universe. But then along came Copernicus with his maps and his drawings and his pestering questions like, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, can anyone here tell me what makes the seasons change? Um, I was wondering, why do some stars appear in the daytime and other stars appear at night? Oh, and by the way, while you're thinking about that, how far can ships sail before they sail off the end of the earth, you flat earth theorist? In the face of the conventional wisdom of Nicholas Copernicus' day, when everyone believed that the planet they lived on was the center of it all, he pointed his finger toward the sun and proclaimed, Behold, the center of the solar system. In our American society, we have created a culture of self. You and I are living in what some call the me generation. Self-preoccupation, self-promotion, self-preservation, and self-centeredness are the rule of the day. American society has become obsessed with self. Twenty years ago, the term self-help was not even in American vocabulary. But just go out to your local bookstore and see how large the self-help book section is. The self-esteem movement is way out of control. It sounds good. It talks a good talk. But it's really contrary to where real self-esteem comes from, according to the Word of God. The government continually pads the budget of the self-esteem movement that produces no real results. They actually are not creating self-esteem in people. But the self-esteem movement is actually creating a victimization mentality that rewards those who fail to perform responsibly in life. They don't understand that true self-esteem is not gained through outcome-based educational programs and non-confrontational parenting. But we understand that self-esteem can only be achieved, amen, through a daily relationship with Jesus Christ and through healthy family acceptance and by hard work and, God forbid, by serving other people. The self-esteem movement says, don't correct children. Tell them that they're doing a great job, whether they are or not. Don't ever tell a child that he or she is wrong. Don't tell them that they've misbehaved. Don't even think about letting them know that they failed a test. We want them to feel good about themselves. Isn't it interesting that 40 years ago when I was growing up, the most popular magazine in America was called Life Magazine. And about 25 years ago, another magazine broke on the scene. It was very popular. It still is called People Magazine. And then a few years ago, here came another popular American magazine called Us. And now I noticed on the shelf at Hy-Vee this week, there's a very 
popular and prominent woman's magazine called Cell. We went from life to people to us to Cell. Two of the more unrecognized and yet powerful sources of self-indulgence in our society today are the real plagues of abuse and people becoming offended. Abuse and offense are ravaging our nation. It is bogging down our court systems. It is empowering and creating wealth in our attorneys and those who represent others that have been hurt and offended in some way. The epidemic proportions of abuse in our world is being perpetrated by one and the same devil who seduced our first parents in the Garden of Eden. Satan works in the hearts of wicked men and women who perpetrate crimes upon children and upon spouses and upon employees. And when these people become the victims of mental abuse and emotional abuse and physical abuse, and if it is not dealt with through the power of forgiveness, and thank God for the power of forgiveness. Thank God for an old rugged cross. Hallelujah. I want to point somebody back to an old rugged cross today where the words were uttered, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If anyone knows abuse, it's Jesus Christ. The hairs of his beard were plucked. His face was spit upon. He sat limply on a stool while the guards of Herod in mockery put a purple robe around him and they smote him with rods that had the thickness of a broomstick and they said prophesy unto us who was it that struck you he was beaten down he came unto his own and his own received him not the thieves cast the same accusations in his teeth he couldn't get respect he couldn't get honor he hung on a cross in absolute shame and nakedness and effigy but I want you to know friend it was that power of the cross that enabled Jesus to say father forgive them for they know not what they do and I want to preach to somebody here today we're living in a real world where there's real pain and there's real abuse and people are suffering and some of us our hearts are bleeding here today I want to tell you it's the devil's business to keep you locked up in a prison of shame and disgrace to keep you locked in a prison of unforgiveness and despair but I want to tell you there's one whose name is Jesus who has come to pick you out of that horrible pit he through the power of his saving blood can deliver you from a victim mentality and he can set your feet on a rock to stay and he can put his esteem in your life and you can say like brother Thomas told us we are the children of God we have a mighty God to our father and Jesus is his name oh let's clap our hands to our great God and Savior hallelujah hallelujah Jesus warned us that in the last days offenses would come Matthew 24 10 and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another listen I've been offended you've been offended all oh, God's children been offended let's see which side did he drink from You offended me when you drank out of my water. 
<laughs> he said, no, I offended him because I didn't want to drink over his lip marks. <clears throat> Listen, life gets tough. And Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. And maybe it is true that God chooses what we go through, but it is also true that we choose how we go through it. We choose the attitude that we're going to have. Prison walls do not a prison make. And it's the devil's business. He works in hurt. Do you know that 40% of the children in America today have been abused physically, emotionally, or sexually in some way? The devil works in abuse of some kind. And I'm not going to harp on abuse today, but it's the tool of the enemy to take away self-esteem from people, to make people feel like trash, to make people feel like garbage, to make people feel like junk, to make people feel like they're worthless. Friend, I want you to know, you'll never find self-esteem the Bible way through a career. You never find it through accomplishments. You never find it through trying to get that next A on your next test. And thank God, we need to achieve greatness and excellence whenever we can. But the only way to true acceptance and the only way to true self-esteem is not to exalt yourself, not to look for ways to appease yourself or to drown your sorrows or to turn to addiction so that you can escape your pain. Friend, that's not the way to find peace and deliverance. The only way you'll find it is to struggle your way back and kneel at an old rugged cross and say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and forgive the those who have perpetrated these crimes against me. I release them of their debt to me. I can never get even with them. I can never strike them back. Some of them are dead and gone. I can't do anything about that, God. Give me the grace to release it now because it's not about me. People that live their lives in a victimization mentality become so inward focused, so self-aware, so self-centered. So concentrating on their own pain and their own hurt. I need help. Can somebody help me? Can somebody... They become codependent. They reach out for all kinds of help in all kinds of places. I want to tell you, friend, the only help you really need is right here at this altar. The only help you really need is right in the presence of God. I've seen God heal people whose hearts were broken into a million pieces. I've seen people kneel, amen, before the presence of God thinking that they couldn't even live to see another day. I've seen people who had put shotgun shells in their guns and they said, if God doesn't help me, I'm going to take my life and take those guns and lay them on the altar and find peace in the presence of God and see God turn their life around. Oh, friend, it's true. There is peace in Jesus for a troubled world today. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't let your spirit get offended. Don't let your spirit become offended. Jesus warned us in the last days. He said, offenses will come. An offended spirit is a grave with both ends kicked out of it. You'll not be able to grow spiritually or emotionally when your spirit becomes offenses. They've proven it to be true that when a child is offended in some way, molested or abused or whatever, that that child locks a portion of their life in to that particular age when that offense happened. It's psychologically true. They get locked into that situation. That's what the devil wants to happen in your life. 
Somebody says something that offends you. A brother doesn't meet your expectation. Somebody borrows 20 bucks from you and they never pay it back. They borrow your lawnmower and you never get it back. Friend, let me tell you how to deal with that. Say, you know what? They didn't borrow it from me. I gave it to them and call it an offering and God will bless you for it. Oh, man, that was good preaching right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't let your spirit become offended because offense becomes a prison. You can't have a breakthrough prayer life with an offended spirit. Oh, you can pray. You can go through the motions, but you'll never touch God with an offended spirit. That's why the Bible said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. That's the opposite of an offended spirit. He said, if my spirit gets offended, that means it's broken. No, an offended spirit means it's depth pulled in the oars. It's built up the walls. It's not going to let anything else in. It becomes a fortress. And unfortunately, the hurt that it keeps out, it also keeps out the love of God. And it keeps out the power of forgiveness. Amen. When you have an offended spirit, it's impossible to have a devoted heart of worship. Because your heart is always dealing with this issue and you don't feel worthy and you don't feel pure and you don't feel clean. Listen, sometimes we can even commit sins against ourselves that we don't get under the blood. And that's why we can't lift our hands when we come to the sanctuary because we've offended ourselves when we've disappointed ourselves. Oh, friend, don't you know how easy it is to keep your relationship right with God? Don't you know how easy it is to get things taken care of in a moment of time when you come in the house of the Lord? It's the devil's business to keep your spirit locked up and bottled up and tied up and shut down but all it takes is one honest prayer when you realize it's not about you it's all about him and you get your face on Jesus once again and the walls come down and he loves you one more time oh hallelujah what Copernicus did for the earth God wants to do for somebody's soul today Contrary to the lie that the world will tell you and contrary to the lie that the devil has been telling you. Listen to me now. It's not about you. You don't know what they said. I'm sorry. It's not about you. You don't know what she did. I'm very sorry for that. But it's not about you. We can build these little worlds. Billy Graham said the smallest package he ever saw was a man all wrapped up in himself. And people build these victimization fortresses. Look at me, poor me, sorry for me. It's no wonder I can't touch God. It's no wonder I don't feel a part. It's no wonder I can't get involved. It's all about me. You should have been there when he said it. You should have been there when she did it. Oh, listen, friend, I got to tell you, I've got sympathy for you today. But more than that, uh, amen, I've got a heart that's reaching out for you. And I want to tell you, there's some things you just got to get under the blood. There's just some things you just got to forgive somebody for. There's just some things you don't have to take anymore and say, God, I'm not going to deal with this. This burden is too heavy for me to carry. I'm not going to be a victim anymore in my life. I'm laying it down today because it's not about me. It's about him. People that are into themselves are some of the most miserable people in the world. Eve should have been the happiest and most fulfilled woman in the world. Well, she was the only woman in the world. 
She couldn't even make it in paradise. She got all into herself, didn't she? She didn't get into the promises of God. She didn't get all into the blessings of God. Oh, look at this, Adam. God said we can have all these trees. Look at this. We can have all this. No, she got all into herself. What do you mean God said I can't have this? I can't touch this. I can't eat this. It was all about her. She wasn't thanking God. She wasn't blessing God. She couldn't even make it in paradise with a husband that loved her and was devoted to her. In fact, he never even looked at another woman. Am I operating in the gifts right there? See, I'm so simple, even the kids get my jokes. Praise God. She couldn't make it. You mean I can't have that? Oh, look at it. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, that it would make me wise. Oh, I'm going to get an advantage. She got all into herself. Her curiosity and to gratify it got the best of her. Rather than feeling blessed, she felt deprived. I've been victimized. I can't do this. I can't have that. I want to tell these young people here something. If God ever says no, it's not to make a victim out of you. Amen. We don't need any Pentecostal people, young people walking around saying, well, I can't go here and I can't do this and I can't say that and I can't smoke that and I can't drink that. Hey, what's wrong with you? You go to some radical church? Well, yeah. And it's what my parents are telling me. Listen, I want to deliver a young person here today. There's going to have to come a time when you get a hold of this for yourself. There's going to have to come a time when you realize that if God says no, it's because he doesn't want your soul to be destroyed. But for every no that God says, he's going to give you a yes that won't destroy you, but it'll bless you. God wants us to know that we're the most blessed people in all the world. I'm not going to live my life like a victimized Pentecostal teenager. I'm blessed of God. I'm blessed of the Lord blessed of God amen Lot's wife couldn't make it out of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah with angels holding her hands she couldn't make it you think you could make it if an angel was pulling you out she couldn't make it why because it was all about her so focused about her and my, my daughters and my sons-in-law and my grandbabies and my house and what's going to happen to the draperies and what's going to happen to my position down at the at weekly coffee clutch and, and what about all my esteem and what about all my position and what about this? And the angel said, don't look back. And then the angel stayed with him. Come on. Don't look back. It was all about her. And she became frozen in time in a pillar of salt. Oh, friend, even the grip of an angel can't save a soul against the grip of a selfish, internalized will. Do you know that your will can be cruel to you today? Let me walk out here where I can see you in the whites of your eyes. I don't have my glasses on. Your will can be cruel to you. You can will and say, well, I'm going to come to the live church. It's my church, but I'm not going to get in the presence of God. 
because somebody hurt my feeling, because this happened, because this isn't going right, because my job situation's this and that. Listen, friend, it wouldn't take about a 500-mile drive, Brother Spell, you said it, and we can find a whole lot of people that are in a whole lot worse shape than we are. If you got a dry bed to sleep in, if you got a refrigerator that's half full, hallelujah, if you got clothes on your back today, you're living like a king compared to how most of the people in India live. God has blessed you. Don't you let the devil rob you. Don't let him steal your worship. Don't let him steal your joy. It's not about you. It's all about him. Oh, it's all about him. Oh, hallelujah. We can't make it in life with an offended spirit. If the angel Lucifer could not make it in heaven with an offended spirit, you and I are not going to make it to heaven with an offended spirit. He couldn't make it in heaven. He was there. Put a Isaiah 14 up there, chapter 14, verse 12. Some of you are familiar with this passage. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in your heart, I will ascend. Look at all the personal references. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. That sounds like some people. Lucifer got offended. Look at God. Look at him sitting up there all high and mighty. Here I got all this music in me. Here I got all this anointing in me. Here I got all this power in me. I want to go to greater heights and, and greater places. And I think I'll make me a throne and exalt myself as the most high God. He got all offended at his position. All focused on himself. And forgot about his created purpose. And that was to worship and serve the one true and living God. To play beautiful music that would fill the corridors of heaven with the praises of the Lord. And lead the angels in worship. Did you know that there are no references to angels ever singing? Because Lucifer blew it. He pulled down the choir. They praised God, but none of them sang. Let me tell you what God did with that. He handed that job off to you and I. And I decided, my friend. I'm not going to let anything take my place. If Lucifer couldn't make it in heaven, then woe is me if I let my spirit get offended and I don't sing praises unto God who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is anybody here thankful that God has grafted you into the body of Christ? Is anybody thankful that he's made you sit together in heavenly places with the Lord? It's not about you. It's about him. Oh, Oh, let's just glorify him a little bit right now. Come on, we're taking the angel's place right now. Oh, I wish I could get everybody pulled into this today. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody stand with me. You see... God has this problem. He's got this problem. He thinks it's all about him. He thinks church is all about him. I'm glad for your nice suit, your nice dress, and your shine shoes. That's nice, but it ain't about that. It's not about you. 
all about him. You see, Judas thought it was all about him. This is my chance. This is my opportunity. He betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He got all focused. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He got his eyes on himself. When Jesus was at the trial, Peter got messed up in his head, in his priorities. He, he had too much to lose. He thought it was all about him. Oh, I don't know him. See, it's all about me. And then he went out and he wept bitterly. Pilate made the fatal mistake when he uttered that infamous question. What is truth? How can I determine the innocence or guilt of this man? He thought it was all about him to the point where he went and had to go wash his hands. He said, I'm not going to have his blood on my hands. It wasn't about you, Pilate. It wasn't about you, Judas. It wasn't about you, Peter. It was all about Jesus. John, the beloved, he understood that. As far as we know, he's the only disciple that made it to the foot of the cross. For he was there when, when, when Jesus said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. John understood because he was the one that leaned on the chest of the Lord at the Last Supper. He understood. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I wonder today if anyone would with me embrace the attitude of John the Baptist who said he must increase and I must decrease. I sense a Capernaus type shift coming into somebody's spirit today. God does not exist to make a big deal out of us but we exist to make a big deal out of him. In the world that is preoccupied with self-discovery and self-preservation and self-centeredness Whatever happened to the words, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me. Am I talking to some young career, aspiring young person today? You're trying to find your way. You're trying to finagle your way. Brother Larmy, I want you to come and start singing that song. You're trying to fit into a certain place, and you're trying to finagle and manipulate things and, and find your place. Listen, friend, you'll never find it that way. You'll never find it that way. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, I've got a pleading spirit that's come over me today. It's time for somebody to have a turnaround. It's time for somebody who's been all absorbed in yourself and been sucking your thumb or feeling sorry for yourself or just out of focus and out of priorities. You got them all messed up. It's time to take another look at Jesus. It's time to take another look at him. They're going to sing a song that I've requested. The song simply says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I realize, Lord, it's all about you. And while they're getting ready, I just want to tell you this. Brother Osborne that preached at the men's conference this week, he touched on a Bible character that deeply made an impression on my heart. He said that Abraham's servant, Eliezer, was the heir in line to Abraham's wealth. Abraham was one of the wealthiest men in all of the known world of that day. 
He had no son, no daughter, no heir. And by rights, his wealth would have been inherited by his servant. But he was there to serve his master. And one day, Sarah came up with the solution to have a child and that Agar would become uh, Abraham's surrogate wife, you might say, and to raise up a son. And so Ishmael was born, although it was not the prophesied seed of the Lord. And yet Eliezer didn't miss a beat. He continued to focus his attention on his master. Some years later, Isaac was born of Sarah, the free woman. And now, Eliezer, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to get all upset? Are you going to walk off in a huff and say, well, there I was. I had the hope of inheriting all of Abraham's wealth. Oh, no. He continued to serve Abraham. Well, maybe he won't have a child. Maybe my grandchildren can be the heirs of Abraham's wealth. But then Abraham says, Eliezer, I want you to go find a wife for my son Isaac. He finds Rebecca. He brings her home. She falls into his arms. They fall in love. And they live, we might say, happily ever after. And the Bible becomes silent on Eliezer. That's all the more that we know of him. Here's the point. For Eliezer, it was not about seeking his own. It was not about jockeying for position. It was not about trying to manipulate the outcome for his own best advantage. He kept his focus on his master until his ministry and his service was complete the moment that he introduced the bride to his master's son. And I wonder here today if some of us have become so focused on ourselves that we forgot that our mission was to introduce the bride to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, who is coming back. Is it possible that we get so focused on digging ditches and earning wages and making careers that we forget that our real purpose is like Christ and that is to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save them which are lost and our mission is to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And is there anything in your life that causes people want to look up to him? Would you close your eyes and worship team, would you give us this song? In fact, if the message has touched your heart, if you want to come and stand at this altar while they sing with your hands lifted to the Lord, let's listen to the song. Why don't you come and stand with me in this altar? Let's do some, spend some time in glorifying Jesus Christ. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my
Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.